welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. And we're back for another episode of the podcast. Hey, Jeremy, how are you doing today? Hey, buddy, how are you? Doing pretty well. Got some exciting plans for the weekend. I hope you do as well. Yeah, I, I feel like I need to like, congratulate you. This is awesome. Yes, uh, grandbaby number three has arrived. I have to go meet her this afternoon. So we're going to record. I'm going to drop the mic and uh, off we go. That's really cool. Congratulations to all of you guys. I will pass that along. Um, speaking of something new. Hey, how's that for? I'm working on my transitions. I want to be like more yeah, this uh, is good. professional dude. Yeah, except I guess the explaining them kind of <laughs> Jay, Leno's, Jay Leno's the joke, but whatever. The SharePoint framework version 1.12 is relaunched. Uh, 1.12.1 is out. And I wanted to put a link in here this week because we the interview with a couple of the folks from that team. And so uh, that's out now. It, 1.12 had a rough start, but it's been fixed and release candidatized a few times. And now, so that's off and ready to go. So get your engines started on that. That's cool. Next link um, is the Microsoft Graph community call for May of 2021. Unfortunately, I had to miss it, but uh, I assume it was stellar content. You want to speak to us a little bit about what, uh, what was out there? As usual. Yeah, Brian is doing a great job of continuing to get you know good content on here every month for public consumption. This month, uh, Philip Signore, who's in the identity team based out of Paris, actually, which is a pretty cool place to be. And he worked on an app consent deep dive we, we actually had him present internally at some meeting. I think it's when it was now. And everyone was just astounded on how well he explained everything to do with app consent that uh, we're like, you need to do this publicly so that our devs can have like one place to go to reference this stuff. And so, yeah, in this in community call, which is on YouTube um, on the Microsoft 365 developer um, channel, you can go check that out. And then Fabian Williams in my team actually... Um, put together a discussion topic, which is just continuing to come up, uh, which was, what's the right way to create an online meeting? Because we have the cloud communication APIs on the graph, but then we also have, which we've had for many, many years, the Exchange Calendar APIs on the graph. And there are, uh, like many things at Microsoft, two ways to do things. And there are benefits of doing one way over the other, primarily because of the Teams integration that you get. And so Fabs walks through those decision points in that community call, which is um, which was really well received. So yeah, that was a really good call. Is cloud communication session meetings one of his blueprints? It is. He, he rattled off the list of those blueprints so fast that I was driving. I don't remember all of them, but uh, yeah, yeah it, it was a it is a blueprint that we're focused on. Yeah, so that's how one of the reasons he's got into it. But he is my our team subject matter expert on the team. So any partners that come up with questions around graph calls on Teams, Fabs is the one that picks those ones up. Well, thanks, Fabs. Uh, next link is understanding the Office add-ins runtime. And this is a blog post from the add-ins team, went through and did some explanation about using the web view control, the edge control, all kinds of, there's some ambiguity there as Microsoft Edge has transitioned from its, what's now called legacy mode to the Chromium version. And folks who have been used, based on where you're running the Office add-ins, whether it's the fat client on Windows or on Mac or in the web, it can be confusing. I know I'm confused and, and 
when when Cam was chatting with me on the podcast a couple episodes back, uh, he kind of hinted at some of this as well. But it's nice to see a, a blog post out there that goes through and like the state of the state, if you will, what's supported, what what could be used, what's not where. So great to get that for folks who are tipping their toes into the office add-ins. Yeah, because the host, I think it used to use IE. So obviously, if Edge is rolling out. Yeah, they've, they've obviously flipped over to the web view two runtime, which is part of Edge, um, which now those office clients are using. Yeah, and that part of the, the, the new Windows MAUI stuff is kind of baked into that as well. I know that web view is yeah. part of that as well. There's a lot of moving parts there, so um, good to see moving. Yeah, so. We should get Juan back on to talk about that. Um, all right, then. Yeah, it'd be good. Uh, moving on to the community, the first... Um, link I found. It's how to determine web part size with SPFX version 1.12 kind of linked together here. This is from Yves Habersat, I believe. <laughs> it is from Yves. <laughs> I believe I pronounced that close enough to recognize it. So apologies if I screwed that one up as well. But this is actually on the, the PNP blog site off the tech community. And the, the gist of this is that 1.12 has a f capability added to it that is now an official call I can make to get the size of the web part oh, as it's turned cool. on the page. And there's an event that fires after it is resized. And a little history on this, uh, for those, uh, everyone in the SharePoint world probably knows this, but for the other listeners, the, there was no way to tell if you were in a, a one-column web part or two-column or full width or whatever. And so folks tended to inspect the HTML DOM. And then when a big update came out from SharePoint where they, they cleaned up their CSS and, you know, optimized it for mobile, it broke a lot of code. I mean, a lot of code. <laughs> and Microsoft, the initial response was, you know, well, the DOM's not an API and you shouldn't be using it, but we understand. So they, they reverted those changes in the service. And now that 1.12 is out with this new API for state information, I expect that the cleanup of will continue in the, in the service. So a great blog post to go through and explain these new capabilities in the 1.12 release. The next blog post I found is from another one from uh, Sergey Sergeev. We've talked uh, quite a bit about uh, blog posts of his. The one that I'm highlighting this week is his extension to the gulp serve task that you can run. So the SPFX has the build task and he has SPFX-fast-serve 2.0. <laughs> and the idea here, of course, is sometimes I just need to do, you know, a quick fix to the code and I want to see it run. So why do I want to go through the entire build chain? And so he has the ability to run just the webpack deployment stuff that you really absolutely need to run the component in dev mode and so save some time to do that and so it's actually pretty cool yeah yeah and as he mentioned it he really it's been out since the 1.4 of the framework and 1.12 had some updates to the build chain and he's modernized it and separated stuff so it's, it's really maturing so it's great to see this as well so thanks sergey for for doing this yeah that's impressive and the last link is one of those where you read it and say Holy crap. <laughs> this is a post by Martin Ballyou. And I apologize, Martin, for mispronouncing that because he's from Antwerp, Belgium. And he went through an exercise where he did a supply chain attack, a supply chain attack with NuGet, .NET, DNS, source generators, and more. 
And the idea around this is, are you familiar with all the code that you're installing when you do add package and NPM and or NuGet and even in the .NET space? So he has a great extension to his thing. His premise is, hey, install this extension and then you can do a, a, a string that is the number one or number two, for example, and say, convert this to an integer. And just by doing this little extension method, he can then get information about your code at runtime by using various techniques. So. This is certainly an eye-opener. Put, put down what you're working on, go read this blog post, and make sure that you know what code you're loading into your, uh, into your application before you ship it. My joke, that's really smart what he's done there. I think you almost have to read the blog post to fully grok what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, the, the, what's, uh, what's the one that really got me is there's a, a, an attribute I can put on a class that says whenever my class gets added to or loaded in memory, it's called module initializer. Run this method whenever this assembly is loaded into memory. Right. And boom, all of a sudden it's running some code. And if you're yeah. you know on a user's machine, it probably has permission to read everything on the machine. So holy cow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, it is. I found a good one. And thanks to Mark Anderson, and again, to go back to the pandemic and not be able to see anyone. He was always one that, you know, you'd bump into in the conference halls and have really good chats with and such a lovely guy. And he shared a post uh, by a 14-year-old called Alison Collins, who it turns out is actually Jeff Collins' daughter. And um, Jeff Collins has been around the SharePoint traps for many, many years, and his wife um, also works in the technology space as well. Alison wrote out a uh, a blog post on her graphgod.dev blog post, which is really cool. And like she's beat everyone <laughs> to that domain for sure. Um, and she talks about how she's using um, React groups uh, with, with Teams. And so she's showing the UI where it kind of lists using the Microsoft Graph, all the various groups within an in M365 tenant but then links off to like the group mail, uh, the SharePoint site related to the group, the calendar related to the group. And then like if there's a planner plan associated with it and what visibility it is, whether it's a public group or a private group. Very, very cool use of the graph to make something that's actually super valuable. And, you know, that, you know, don't just stop there. She's got theming in there too. Uh, so she can change the themes of the groups so that in the <laughs> rendering um, you can show all the groups and so forth. So super impressed that that is the future of developers coming through. So um, yeah, congrats to Alison for that. You, you know, when, when Active Directory groups first came out and uh, even before Teams and the graph had just started, I had done a sample app to list all the all the groups. And it was kind of an exercise for me to learn how to do multi-tenant apps. And it looked nothing like this. <laughs> <laughs> so thank goodness that, that my that history has been yanked off the internet. No one will say, compare me to, to this. Uh, for, but <laughs> right. Holy cow. But yeah. It's really, really cool. Yeah. So awesome, awesome stuff from there. Yeah. Congrats, Allison. Yeah. Good job. All right, so this week on the show, I have an interview with John Wynn and Luca Bandinelli. Uh, Luca's been on the show before, but John and Luca both work in the SharePoint platform team, I guess is what they'll explain it. But, but John is the tech lead around Viva Connections, and Luca's obviously a PM in that space as well. And so the Viva Connections app is, is out now. You can install it in your tenant, and there is some developer customizations coming to the Viva Connections app. And so these two guys graciously came on and explained how that works and uh, talk about the preview program that 
is launching soon or is you'll see it very soon if you don't see it already. And it's great to get their insight into how developers can get started in the Viva space. So thanks to them for coming on. And uh, that'll do it for this week, Jeremy. And I look forward to chatting next time. Thanks, mate. This week on the podcast, I'm delighted to welcome John Wynn and Luca Bandinelli. Welcome, gentlemen. Happy to be here. Hey, thank you for having us. Welcome, everybody. So let's start with introductions. John, I, you've not been on the show before, so we'll start with you. Can you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, definitely. My name is John Wynn. Uh, I'm the tech lead um, currently for Viva Connections Extensibility um, the SharePoint Framework. Uh, so before this, I uh, was the tech lead um, for Dev Blogs. I don't know if anybody remembers that, uh, which eventually um, became um, SharePoint Pages. I worked on that for a bit, was the tech lead for the SharePoint Authoring Canvas, and then transitioned full-time over to uh, the SharePoint Framework. And Luca? Thanks. My name is Luca Bandinelli. I'm a PM in the uh, OneDrive SharePoint product group, and I am like John in the OneDrive SharePoint developer platform team, and I basically am the owner of the SharePoint framework from the PM standpoint. And this week, we are talking about Viva Connections. So this is being a new topic for our listeners. I want to start with just a basic introductory. So what is Viva Connections from a high level? Let's say that Viva Connection is basically a way for you as a company uh, employee to be able to reach the information that you need in your day-by-day uh, activities, either if you are a frontline worker or if you are a person that sits behind a computer and stuff like that. So basically through Viva Connections, uh, you will be able to offer as part of your employees in your company, uh, created company experiences so that you can bring together relevant news, conversations, and the application that the most you use. So you can imagine as an example that you are a frontline worker and through the power of Viva Connection Desktop, you are able to access immediately from a single point the application that you use the most and have the ability to interact with this application within a familiar environment, which is the Microsoft Teams mobile experience, without needing to jump across different uh, views or different windows or different application and then remembering where you were in your flow or your day-by-day work. And since we're talking about news or announcements and SharePointy stuff inside of the Ziva Connections, uh, can I expect like out of the box some things that I do in SharePoint to be surfaced in this Connections dashboard? Yeah, definitely. I'll give you the quick version and then John will keep me honest and argument with the level of skills and knowledge that he has and I don't have. But you can imagine that, especially in the desktop side, in the dashboard side, you will have uh, some cards that you will be able to use from the get-go. I think the three most powerful cards that you will have will be one that gives you the ability to uh, pin SharePoint modern pages that you use the most. The other one would be the ability to pin the Teams application, personal apps or bots that you use the most. And then as a third one, you will be able to link external websites, either internal or external, that you use the most. So a scenario could be that you use a specific uh, website for your day-by-day and it's a CRM application or something that is outside of the Microsoft 365 ecosystem, for example, you will be able to pin that as a card. And on, on top of that, there is certain level of first-party application that we will provide, as well as the whole new build extensibility model built on top of SharePoint framework. And I don't know if, John, you want to add something on top of that. Yeah, I mean, we're also partnering with our teams at Microsoft to make sure that um, for the Viva Connections dashboard, we'll have really compelling um, stories out of the box as well. And so um, in addition to what Luca mentioned, we're, um, we'll have a 
um, card for tasks. Um, so if you know frontline workers are familiar with um, getting assigned tasks, they can quickly check to see if anything's assigned to them there. Um, and then additionally, um, a shifts card as well. Um, so if they're using Teams already um, through the shifts app, um, they'll have quick access to that um, to see upcoming shifts um, to be able to clock in and clock out um, using the connections dashboard. Now, one thing you mentioned was being pin the things that are relevant to me. Is that something an end user would do or an administrator or developer or all the above? Or <laughs> how is this pinning or deciding what's relevant happening? Initially, we will have the concept of a dashboard author, which is probably uh, someone that already has the ability to interact with uh, your uh, home site or communication site. And from there, the author will be able to identify the right set of uh, uh, cards that uh, or resources that um, a person interact with in their day-by-day -day basis. The important things, though, to mention here is that we will take advantages of some of the great functionalities that SharePoint has, just like all oh, this targeting. So that as soon, I mean, as soon as you will be able to identify the different type of personas, the different type of working group that you have in your uh, company, you will be able to target the right set of cards to the right audiences based on all this targeting that we provide in SharePoint already. Oh, that's excellent. So if, uh, if a user doesn't use shifts, I don't need to see that card, but yet the frontline workers, different department, they get them because it's relevant. So that's excellent stuff. I like that. Now, you mentioned dashboard. Uh, what, what does that kind of mean? Is this, I'm guessing, is that another button inside of Teams or is this a, a web page I go to? What, what does that look like? Yeah, uh, great question. So um, there's three components to Viva Connections. One is the dashboard. Um, and so this manifests itself as both um, a page within SharePoint, with a page within SharePoint, um, also as a web part that can be hosted on the um, home site. Um, and then additionally, as a, a tab um, within the Viva Connections uh, mobile app. Um, there's also going to be a um, resources tab um, that will be available within the, the mobile app and a, um, a feed tab as well that will use um, a lot of the intelligence built into SharePoint to um, collect um, different SharePoint page articles, um, news stories, things like that. Uh, additionally, I think the company can curate specific stories to get promoted um, as well to the feed. And all those things also manifest themselves as web parts um, that can be added to the home site. Okay, now you, you mentioned the Viva Connections app, but I think we should clarify, right? So I'm still running Microsoft Teams. It's like an app, an app inside of Teams, yes? <laughs> yes, yeah. It's an app with inside of Teams, yeah. Yeah, okay. And so now if I'm a developer, which is what we're all getting to, what what can I do to, to play in this party, so to speak? What does Viva Connections mean from a developer point of view? Yeah, so if you are a developer and you're already developing on top of Microsoft 365 using SharePoint Framework, you will have a great time because you will be able to party on the dashboard by being able to build your own solution or being able to help your company to integrate with uh, new functionalities inside of the dashboard itself. And uh, at a very high level, and again, after that, I will let John, which is more authoritative than me speaking, you will be able to create cards and create uh, immersive experiences uh, by using SharePoint Framework in a very similar way that you are doing today But if you want to create a, a web part or you want to create a tab in Microsoft Teams. Yeah, uh, to add to what Luca is saying, I think the um, extensibility story for Viva Connections and um, specifically on the dashboard is really, um, really compelling in a lot of ways. 
Um, it's easy for anyone who's used the SharePoint framework in the past to kind of hit the ground running um, and quickly use everything that they're familiar with um, in developing web parts or extensions um, to get started in developing what we're calling these adaptive card extensions for the dashboard. And so it's an entirely new SharePoint framework component type. Um, we call them adaptive card extensions because rather than using um, a separate sort of uh, UX front end layer um, that you would if you were building a web part, we're using adaptive cards, um, the Microsoft Adaptive Cards SDK to handle the, uh, the UI rendering. And so what that means is a lot of the UX is defined um, as, as JSON. That allows a really uh, interesting situation where when we're on the um, mobile app within Teams, it's the first time third-party developers can actually extend the app natively. Um, and so it'll end up rendering using um, React native controls. Um, and then when on the web, it'll render using um, React, basically. So it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty neat uh, being able to extend a native app um, using um, the SharePoint framework. Now, adaptive cards, which I love because I have zero design skills, but and now you also mentioned React Native and React, but but as a developer, I'm just generating the JSON for the card or I, do I augment with the controls? Can you dig a little deeper into that? Yeah, so as a developer, um, you only have to learn the adaptive card uh, schema. And so you're really um, declaring all of your uh, UX just through some JSON. You don't have to deal with CSS. You don't have to deal with React. Um, all that is um, transparent. Um, and, and sort of obfuscated away by the system. So I've got systems already that generate ad adaptive card JSON, like backend APIs. Can Is there something out of the box or planned that I could just say point it at this endpoint and it works? Or do I still need to write some SPFX code to make that call myself and give it to the some SDK? Uh, yeah, great question. So you'll still have to have an SPFX component that will end up getting loaded. Um, but with your SPFX component, you could still make a call to that backend endpoint. Um, and Adaptive Card sort of support this through um, template um, services. And so if it's set up that way, um, or if it's just an API that you could call from your, your card, um, you could just get the JSON and then um, use that to render. And because it's an SPFX, do I get all the goodness, like the HTTP client and the AAD client and the SPFX? Oh, well, excellent stuff, right? Yep. Yeah. That is absolutely correct. You will be able to uh, connect it to your external API. You will be able to uh, get the right tokens from Azure Active Directory to call and interact with your system and even interact with SharePoint as part of the SharePoint framework APIs. Okay, okay. so so these cards, is it, a, is it fair to say it's kind of like a web part, so to speak, where it's just I'm, I'm a component on the page, right? I have to just get what I think is relevant for my backend system to, to get information? Or is there, more in, is there more to it than just creating a card? Think about a card just like a widget or something that lives in a well-defined space. That's probably the right word to say, which is a dashboard. And because of that, it has some characteristics, which is it has some kind of templating to be able to have different kind of sizes that are predefined. And it can able to be reshuffled and be moved and able to uh, responsively uh, change in the direction and in the in the in the dashboard itself, depending if you are in a bigger screen and a lower screen, in a, in a smaller screen, and depending on the behavior of the other cards. The card is just the first interaction that you have as part of the, the dashboard. Then the card can or cannot be able to uh, expose. Uh, view or a quick view, a subsequent view, which is more just like a bigger experience that in the mobile will be basically a kind of a more foolish, full screen-ish experience within the app itself, where basically you can unleash the power of adaptive card and being able to have more details and provide more interaction to the end user for your application, basically. 
kind of like a details view, right? So uh, the card may have the two or three tasks that I have to work on. I tap on one of the tasks, I get more details. That's the, the concept? Detail plus plus. I mean, uh, the reason why I'm saying that is because detail is normally something just like, oh, you go there, you watch, or you basically read the information and that's it. We're not limiting on that, right? And, and John can explain that even more. But basically, you can provide capabilities and functionalities. You can provide actions uh, either in the card or in the, uh, in the view itself uh, so that you can make the view not just... Uh, a place where you're consuming the information, but also a place from where you can interact with the information itself. I think that's the, the powerful part. So the um, the card view, we imagine, is sort of things that um, you consume from a quick glance. Um, and when you go to your dashboard, you might need to get um, in particular information. Um, so one example could be uh, if you need to, you know, we're all working remote right now, but when we go back to the office, maybe there's um, COVID check-ins or health attestations we might have to fill out. So you could have a card that says, you know, you haven't filled out your health attestation for the day. Um, and you click on the card and the card could then go into a quick view. And the quick view might be the um, the survey saying, you know, asking you all the different health questions. And you would be able to go and submit that all within um, that quick view. And then once you're back on your dashboard, the card could update and say, you know, you finished your attestation for the day to let you know that it's safe for you or okay for you to go into the office. And there's a lot of other possibilities that sort of um, can open from that in terms of being able to develop these rich um quick view type experiences. And, and you talk about the interactivity then. In my knowledge of adaptive cards, I know that, that I can put like input controls or input boxes and buttons, right? So is that the kind of stuff we would expect to see at this quick view level is I can generate a card that lets me capture that information? Or is it more where I'm writing HTML myself and doing whatever I want? Great question. Yeah, so you'll still be able to utilize all of the um, native adaptive card input controls. Um, and what's great about this is all the information will then get passed back to your adaptive card extension. And so normally, if you're familiar with adaptive cards, there's not really any JavaScript or code you can write. And so this info has to go back to some backend somewhere, or you have to have a bot that goes and processes all this. And so um, the power of having the adaptive card extension is that all happens um, client side. And then if you need to go and make um, those REST calls, they can all happen using the SPHTP client uh, that you had mentioned earlier, or the AAD um, client, and things like that. Oh, so the handler for all those, uh, that I don't have to wire that up. You guys are taking care of that for us. Where right? if, if I click a button in an adaptive card, some event will fire in my SPFX JavaScript or TypeScript, and, and I go from there, right? That's awesome. Now, obviously, you guys are looking at, at something like on the mobile device, right? Is, is there more that I can do? If, if this isn't enough, because like if I'm doing a, a Microsoft Teams app myself, I can have a tab that is basically an iframe and I can do whatever I want. Am I still going to be able to have that or can I link out to an existing app or something if I need more information or more space? Yep, 100%. Yeah, you, you absolutely can. Yeah, so what we envision from the card is that there's actually multiple routes you can take. You could have a card that goes directly to your Teams app. You could have a card that goes to a quick view that then may also lead directly to your Teams app. Um, or if you build something completely outside of um, the Teams realm, you could have your card linked directly um, to that as well. And and I think one important uh, thing to notice here is just John rightfully used the multiple route term because it's not that it, it doesn't have to be or it must not be sequential, right? So what I mean by that is that you are not forced to do card and view and external. You can go directly from card to external. You can go card to quick view. You can go card quick view external. So it really depends on your scenario and the kind of experience you want to provide to your customers ultimately. No, but I would imagine that 
Well, at least from Paul's point of view, has always been I want to make my users uh, be where they're at. So if the the goal is really here's a quick dashboard, get information, and maybe a little bit of interactivity using the quick view, it would seem to me that I don't want to be something jarring, right? I wouldn't want to have all these buttons go out to different apps and then look different. I would think that's a little bit of cognitive load on the users. Is that kind of where you're thinking or is that something that you guys uh, haven't got to yet or what? That would be the goal and will be desirable, but ultimately... I think it's our goal to empower people to be able to uh, accomplish their goals and putting too many strict boundaries will diminish their ability to do that, which is the reason why you can absolutely do that. You can imagine a, a world or actually a scenario where your company invested heavily in a Teams application already, as an example, and uh, you are in the process to rebuild that application to being a card and a quick view in Microsoft Viva. But in the meantime, you want to be able to, users being still able to interact with your Teams application from Viva Connection dashboard itself. So you can imagine that as your first step, you just build a quick card or you can use our functionality that will give you the ability to point to an existing Teams application. And then the card at that point will just be a first set of information through the card itself and you click there and you get projected to the Teams application itself. And then you can have time to uh, evolve your application to make more uh, fully Viva connection experienced and then build your quick view later instead of uh, not being able to play inside Viva connection until you have done everything. You know, so that kind of leads me down to another, another path, right? The, and there's a lot of value in, in having, for example, I have an app in Teams already, but what's the best information to put on a, on a card? Maybe what I think as a developer is not what my users would want. So I want to iterate on that process. And so what is the process like for me after I write this SPFX component? How do I publish this out to my users? The same as I do in SharePoint or the same I do as in Teams or some hybrid plan? Obviously, it's not released yet, so things may change. But what's the thinking around that? So the initial thinking, and again, I will let John expand this, is to basically treat that as a SharePoint framework component. So if you are um, a system integrator or you are working as uh, for an application in your company, you will build a SharePoint framework by using the existing SharePoint framework component, sorry, by using the existing tool that you use today. And then via these tools, you will be able to generate a SharePoint package or SPFX package, put that in the app catalog, and then everything will surface for the dashboard author to be able to interact with the dashboard itself. Uh, do you know anything else you want to add here, John? It, basically, everything with adaptive card extensions um, is like with web parts and with SPFX. And so um, you create your um, your solution um, and you upload it to the SharePoint app catalog. Um, and then you can sort of um, control its, its lifecycle management that way. Yeah. Now, I know that there is a lot of requirements and a lot of requests for SharePoint framework components in general, no matter if those are cards or web parts or a Teams application in tabs and personal apps to be able to surface in app source and being able to be acquired directly from end users. And this is a work that we are tackling regardless and independently of the cards. So we are working very, very hard to be able to enable those kind of flows and enable those kind of scenarios. And once we have done that, Absolutely, that work, the Viva Connection cards, Viva Connection dashboard cards, sorry, will absolutely benefit about that. But it's not something that we're doing specifically for Viva Connection dashboard. It's something that we're doing, generally speaking, for all the SharePoint framework kind of components. Okay, so so the the author, I think, is is the the persona you mentioned before, who's going to do that. Yeah, the dashboard, the dashboard author. So the dashboard author, where do they do this authoring? Is that in Teams, on mobile, on desktop? It's in SharePoint. It's just like the authoring experience will be 
similar in terms of experience to page authoring. Uh, of course, the kind of a, a page quote quote that you're authoring on is, is is a dashboard, and you will be able to preview the way that the dashboard looks like in a different kind of real estate, tablet versus mobile versus page itself, as we are also planning to uh, surface the dashboard in pages. But the experience itself of selecting the components and configuring the components to be a, a familiar property pane kind of interaction will be very similar to what you're doing today as modern pages. But specifically um, within the home site in SharePoint. Yes, thank you. Um, and so dashboard, Viva connections and dashboards and things like that are all associated off of the home site, the company home site, the organization home site. So so my Viva Connections author has got a familiar paradigm here to say, okay, I want to go into my app catalog and add the app to my site, home site, and then I can put the page in edit mode and do what I need to do, right? There's no, I don't have to go and touch the devices, kind of, right? Kind of. I guess I'm getting it. Kind of. That's, that's, one, that's one idea. The other idea is just like, think about the, the dashboard author in terms of capabilities and uh, experience point of view, like a page author. So even today in SharePoint, if you think about modern pages, the developer and the app administrator is the one that is in charge of creating the web part and deploying the web part in the app catalog. And then the, the page author basically open, edit the page, open the web part picker, and voila, it finds, he or she finds that information available in the picker. And that will be very similar, if not the same. You will have uh, a different place where you go, which is the dashboard, just like John was saying. And then you will have a different experience, picker experience, which will be kind of a card picker. And then when the package has been approved and deployed in the app catalog, the dashboard author will simply go and open the picker experience and will find a new card or a set of new cards available for him or her to put in the dashboard. And if I've changed the rendering or the, the contents of the card, once the package is deployed, the, the new version shows up in my user's phones and everyone's happy, right? Easy peasy. Correct. <laughs> Excellent. So now, you know, the day we're recording this, uh, the Late SPFX, uh, the framework 1.12 I released, is this included in that or is it still yet to come? Or how, how do I kick the tires and get started on something like this? So, you know, it's not included. Uh, yes, there is a way to kick the tires, which is what John already mentioned. And uh, in terms of the future plan and where we're going to do that, I mean, I will let John explain a little bit more about that. Okay, we're not committing to it uh, to be available within um, the next release, the 1.13 um, release. We do currently have a beta build and a beta program for um, Viva Connections that we are making available. Um, we're calling it a, a private uh, developer beta, um, but we are being very generous in the uh, acceptance of um, any submissions to it. And so um, if anyone's interested who's listening, you can go to uh, aka.ms um, slash Viva slash connection slash preview slash register. Uh, pretty long. Hopefully there's a link somewhere that you'll be able to click on um, to then uh, sign up. But what's awesome about this is that we're running the program um, in GitHub. And so uh, you can, um, if you have a GitHub alias and a, a developer tenant, you know, submit those details. We'll add you to our private GitHub. We're tracking different um, issues there, um, engaging with the, uh, the community. Um, and so what's, what's kind of cool about this and the way I kind of look at it is uh, if any of our audience has been a part of a, a developer kitchen before, um, these are uh, we're typically uh, NDA type events and you got access to really early bits. And we would... Um, sort of uh, iterate together and be able to collect feedback. I'd say that our quote unquote private beta is very similar to those developer kitchens, except it's a very asynchronous experience. 
And so uh, what that means is you have access to these bits. We'll be pushing these bits out um, and updating them regularly in terms of the um, beta packages. Uh, and But there's also a forum for us to collect um, feedback uh, as well. And so it, this is um, a pretty unique first-time experience for, for SPFX. And so we're, we're hoping this um, gets a lot of momentum um, and works out well for the development community and for us um, so we could hope and continue to do things like this in the future. So other than filling out the form, do, do I need to have a developer tenant or can I onboard this to any tenant I want? Or what's your, I'm assuming there's some backend Microsoft hosted stuff that's out there too, right? Uh, yeah, you don't have to specifically have a developer tenant, um, but the feature itself, we'd enable it um, at a tenant level. And so I, ideally, uh, the tenant you submit isn't going to be something you're using for a customer uh, in production. <laughs> yeah, because there are some Viva scripts floating around that it was published about how to create the Viva app for Teams. Is this the same kind of, is that the same beta program or is it two different things there? Uh, yeah, so this is um, specifically for uh, Viva Connections dashboard uh, extensibility. And so for Viva Connections um, desktop, you know, the scripts there, uh, that is GA, I believe. Uh, and so you can have Viva Connections desktop um, within Teams, um, and you can still customize the home site and the Viva Connections desktop experience using um, SharePoint uh, framework web parts. Um, this sort of completes the story on the other end in terms of the dashboard authoring um, and the eventual GA of um, the Viva Connections Teams mobile app experience. And so these updated bits that you referenced on GitHub, I'm guessing that's an updated generator. Is there other... NPM packages, is that all I'm doing there? Or is it, uh, what's, what is involved from my end to, to get started on that? Uh, great question. So it is, uh, it is an updated generator, uh, enables the scaffolding of adaptive card extensions. And so it also publishes all of the 1.13 uh, beta packages. We've sort of outlined um, a plan to eventually make these um, public and consumable, but currently um, we're only publishing them um, to the private GitHub right now. For now, yes. Uh, but yes, basically, you will have a new generator. You will have a new kind of component type when the, the human will ask you for scaffolding the project. And ultimately, because with the learning that we get with 1.12, we are also starting to ship uh, um, basically RC uh, version of uh, next generation packages. So 1.13 will have an RC and then we'll have a GA. Just like John said, we are not committed to do that in the 13, but when we will commit to do that, you will see the same kind of capabilities in the next uh, RC build of the version of HPFX that will support the Viva connection. But for now, it's only on the private GitHub, which is the reason why it's called private, right? Is because we need to give, we need an access from you. We need two things from you. We need uh, your GitHub ac uh, account so that we can invite you to this private repo in GitHub, and we need your tenant so that we can enable Viva connections on that tenant, Cap Viva connection functionalities and capability from a developer standpoint. So do I have to do a special version of the Teams client on my phone or does that automatically pick it up and I switch to that tenant or what's that experience like? So that's a very interesting question, actually. Yeah, the reason I'm asking the question, let me clarify, right? So if I do this and I want to get some end user feedback, right, do they need to do some kind of crazy things on their machine or how do I share my, my preview development stuff with uh, end users? It's an interesting question. Ultimately, no, but there is a caveat here. And the caveat here is that if you register to the developer preview that John was mentioning, initially, you will not have access to the bits in Teams, which means that you will only be able to experience your developer capabilities and skills using a dashboard as well as using your workbench already. Eventually, we will be able to also onboard the 
end user experience for the Teams side so that the end user can able to consume this information in Teams Mobile. We are not there yet to be able to offer these functionalities at scale in a kind of a, a generous quote quote private beta. But once we go there, the promise is that the end user will not have to be able to do anything. It will basically automatically appear. I mean, John, keep me honest here. Yeah. So summarizing what, what Lucas said there, uh, for the private developer beta, um, you'll only have access to the uh, the website of Viva Connections um, dashboard. There are some unfortunate limitations when it comes to being able to um, roll out the uh, mobile Viva Connections um, app within Teams. We think we'll hopefully get some of those things unblocked eventually, um, but that, that won't be available as part of the developer beta um, quite yet. Yeah, right now. The moment we can do that, we will immediately enable that. It's just like we are reaching some kind of limiting factor. Understanding which team ring you're on has always been a struggle independent. So, yeah, yeah, that's one of the reasons. Yeah, yes. so that's why I wanted to make sure developers understand what they can do. So they can they can join the beta, they get the downloaded, downloaded, updated, updated generator and bits. And then in my tenant, I have a web view of some sort. I can see the cards and the quick view at, at runtime. And if I want to share that URL with with different users to get some feedback. That's the best way to go for the at the at the time being, right? I mean, I can summarize that fair enough. <laughs> yep. And, and and the good news is that because we are using this new technology, well, because from SharePoint framework point of view, this technology of adaptive card and relying on adaptive card, the moment that we enable the team's rich kind capabilities, there will be nothing that the developer has to change. The card will automatically start showing in uh, the rich client. Uh, in native mode, because we will be able to render both the card itself and the view in React Native of the adaptive card. And basically, it will be exactly the same experience, but in native mode in a mobile kind of combined and, and enclosed experience. That's ex- exciting. And, and obviously, we, we aren't talking data, which is fine. But I, it's great that any developer who wants to get involved can get into the link. And again, we'll put a, that link in our show notes for folks. So is there any other stuff, goodies that I forgot to ask you about? Because it's it's been a little bit since I read <laughs> read the release. Uh, have we Anything else you want to cover before we uh, let folks go? I think we cover the majority of things. I mean, it's pretty exciting things in a pretty new uh, world for us as well, which is the reason why we really, really want as many people as possible to be able to join the program so that we can capture as many feedback as possible and be sure that we are covering as many of the different use cases and scenarios that developers, which are one of the most creative people around the world, can be able to uh, use our technology for that. That kind of reminds me, where is feedback directed? If I have comments, is that in that GitHub repo or is there some other feedback collection mechanism you guys have up there? I know it's been kind of crazy in the Microsoft world recently. So let's clarify that for folks. So uh, we have the repo. Um, we can, we're, we're welcoming um, issue tracking there, feature requests, and enhancements. Um, and additionally, as part of the, the private beta, you'll be added to a, um, a Teams team um, where the, uh, the product group is actively monitoring and engaging as well um, in terms of discussions and things like that. Excellent. And for folks listening, if you haven't tried it yet, I encourage you to get on the beta and kick the tires. It's some great stuff. And I want to thank both of you for coming on the show and getting folks started. And once we get closer to GA, we'll certainly want to have you back to dive through all the fun stuff you've created. Thanks a lot. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Paul. Absolutely, Paul. Thank you very much for having us. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. 
please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 